Sarah, aka Try Sarah for Kids on the Leaderboard. Hi, I'm Katie, aka Katie Pellavicino on the Leaderboard. We are friends, triathletes, and working moms with six kids ages 12 and under between us. We like to talk, we like to listen, and tell great stories. And we love to ride our Peloton. Together, we bring you the Empower Hour podcast with Katie and Sarah, and we plan to share what's going on in our world answer important training and racing questions, and bring on inspirational, intriguing, and insightful guests, all with the mission to motivate you to move. And while our focus will be mostly on power zone training on the Peloton, we will also address issues that affect a broad spectrum of healthy living. Things like squeezing in everything when you've got small kids at home, to returning to fitness after pregnancy or injury, and so much more. So join us each week as we catch up, discuss our mutual love of training and all things Peloton, and tap into the minds of experts and fascinating guests while bringing you the advice and inspiration you need. This week, Katie and I recap our 5K race weekend and discuss our future focuses on to try training and our exciting offer with the tour. And then in our power up segment with the multiple nutrition related questions we've been getting lately, we thought no better than to bring on our own friend, Jen Giles, not only an accomplished triathlete and triathlon coach, but she's also a registered dietitian nutritionist. And then the moment you are all waiting for, we have 2016 Olympic champ, Gwen Jorgensen here to chat about her partnership with Beam CBD products and what she has been up to, including getting ready for the Olympic trials. Well, good morning, Katie. How are you doing? Uh, I've seen better days. <laughs> um, I just, you know, just having a little bit of allergy struggles after our, our race yesterday. I mean, we both crushed it. How, you, how do you feel? I feel great. So just to give some context, yesterday was our conclusion to the six weeks to speed program that I made up. Uh, we did a Georgetown spring 5k and it was pretty hot and it, there was, it was on the CNL canal, the towpath, and it was just a lot of stuff in the air. And you seem to have like been affected by that. Yeah. It's crazy. Like you know, there's been, I would say five races or so. And the one actually happened when we were on our Disney cruise and I did, we do, they always do the 5k on the Island and I'll be basically what happens. You have to your race, you like, you stand there and you talk to the people nearby that you finished with. Um, and so I'm standing there chatting. We were chatting with two girls and I've, and this is what happens. My nose starts to twitch. And then I'm like, Ooh, Oh no. And I'm like, hopefully, you know, it'll go away. And then all of a sudden I start sneezing and I'm just a mess for the rest of the day. So I started taking Zyrtec like, you know, a year ago, whenever every night. And so I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, so my, my allergies are a mess. It was probably the first time in a while that you had run in that temperature because that by the yeah. time we started it was already yes close to 80 we were supposed to start at 8 30 and they delayed until probably what nine and we were standing in the hot sun and mm -hmm. I think you know another thing that's interesting is we've been doing all of our workouts inside with the like in you know the peloton I hadn't just started running running outside and I think that the pollen just got me mm -hmm. I bet my car was covered in pollen yeah yeah so 
I know I felt so bad because you were definitely suffering. Like you were pretty good after the race. Yeah, you were. Yeah, and then I go downhill quickly. And then it hit you. Yeah, and I've been in that position, not with allergies, but mostly with like stomach issues or just like. Yeah. And like where when you, you know, when it's hitting you that it's really hard to, to, you know, write the ship more or less because you had to go home and, and get some medication and you're still feeling it. So I'm sorry. Yeah. That happened, but, I'll go yeah. to my allergist today. They could get me in. So that'll be fine. But other than that, I feel like I don't feel sore, you know, well, the race was great. You looked awesome. I took some pictures um, of you cr- finishing and you just look so fit and you were smiling and you just looked great. And you were very, did you hit your goal time or you were pretty close? I did. I, I, I think, what did I say? Sub 24 and I was yeah. at 23.15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. I saw your picture on Instagram of you finishing and I was like, and because it was funny when you took my picture of me finishing, I was like, darn it. Like, hopefully Sarah can get a picture of her finishing because I was still running. And I was like, when you posted the picture, I'm like, how did she get that picture of her? I was still running. And then I saw on their website that they had a bunch of pictures. Yeah. So this is a, this Bishop's events. I've never heard of them before, but apparently they've been, they've been pretty busy this year with events. They have races almost every weekend. Uh, they, it was pretty well run and they had a photographer, just like a regular photographer. I think she had an iPad. Yeah. She took a great picture of you. I know with my arms stretched out, I have like the world's arms and I was just like, Oh my God, my arms are so long, but I knew that I was like, quote unquote winning. I mean, you know, they were like a hundred, they were like, Oh, 150 people in the race it was yeah no it was good I mean we did I'm you did great you know aside from letting a 12 year old beat you I know (laughs) So at the start of the race this kid I mean he's my son's age he's tiny he was like tiny I thought he could have been Leo's age I was like oh my gosh so I was like hey how old are you he's like 12 I was like what are you planning on running today he's 1920 I was like oh shoot that's fast you know (laughs) I'm not gonna be able to keep up with you and he took off so there was like five people four people ahead of me four men and, uh, or boy, whatever you want to call this kid, he took off, but he wasn't that far ahead of me. And the whole time I was just like, go get him. Like he's your carrot, go get him. But he was moving pretty quickly. He ended up running like 2020. And then I was like 2053. So he got me by about 30 seconds, but, um, on the towpath, you know, it was just out and back. So you need something to chase. I feel like when you're running stretches, um, so I had to, in my head, like either look at him or when we kind of got closer to the finish, I could see that bridge that was over the towpath, I guess it's actually Memorial bridge. Yeah. Um, so I, or not Memorial key bridge, sorry, just know my DC geography. And so, you know, it's a little mentally tough, even though it was only three miles there it's when you have a course like that, where you're just kind of grinding it out on, uh, environment that looks the same the whole time you're running. and there was no shade yeah no shade um and I kept thinking like thank goodness this isn't any longer there were people out there doing the half marathon and that must have been pretty challenging I would assume yeah I mean yeah. my crazy story was that you know there was you know girl in front of me and on the way back I was trying to kind of kind of catch her and on the way back she stops and she is puking big time into the like the side and I was like oh no and so I like stopped I'm like do you, can I help do you need help are you okay and she just looks at me like oh. like this face and I'm like okay I guess I'm just gonna keep running like 
and and then she caught up to me and we were running together for a little bit I'm like okay if you can rally you know you got yeah, this yeah saying like maybe she just went out a little too hard on Saturday night because like I know that's what that was my first thought too I was like ooh, you know yeah, because that's pretty early in a race to be puking. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it should probably had like a mile to go. It was probably like yeah. two miles in. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that the program that we were doing, it was just like, just prepped us just enough for like to get right under the goal. So I was seven seconds under my goal. You were forty-five seconds under. Um, but I think that you know, now I'm thinking about what's next and kind of transitioning over to triathlon but I still want to work on speed and yeah and it's like let's keep our spreadsheet going and you know for for Williamsburg I'd love your help you know with with the run portion of it so yeah we have to bump up a mileage a little because that'll be a 10k yeah and then you know part of triathlon running is also just like hanging on and and just like making sure that you can get through that run off the bike but it would be nice to have a little fifth gear fifth gear to to, to do it a little faster. Um, in Williamsburg, it's, uh, I had a pretty good run there when I did it. Gosh, it was such a hot day. Hopefully it won't be as hot, but, um, it's nice and flat. It's also a path that you're just, yeah. and then you have a turnaround. I've never, I've never had an allergic reaction there. So, you know, I definitely, I've had it at Montclair. Um, so that should be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's great that we have things on the horizon. Um, it was fun being back at the race. I think my favorite part of being in the race yesterday was afterwards and like talking to people Yeah, that little community that we have been deprived of up for so long and meeting new people and talking, rehashing races. And, you know, that's really nice that we can get back into that now. Yeah. That's that excitement is really fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so up next, uh, Williamsburg. Um, and do you want to talk about our newest excitement of, uh, with the tour? I guess we'll talk about this in, in more detail, um, maybe next episode, but we have been asked to write workout plans for the tour community. So if you guys listened to our, uh, episode, what was it? Six or seven with, uh, the tour group, which was Ty and Jill, uh, they have asked us and we're honored, of course. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, I've been doing these tours for over a year and gotten pretty familiar with the people. And um, I think it'll be a lot of fun to put together the the actual like run tours. First one we're thinking will be like, you know, training for a 5k um, and then see how that goes and maybe go from there. Mm-hmm. So there'll be uh, workouts similar to how they do the tour bike rides, which is not it we won't be as an extensive as like every single instructor because that will be like way too much time um for beginners so we're going to put our heads together and come up with a program that'll work for beginners and advanced runners alike and just kind of getting you know familiar with the different instructors and using them to your advantage to get back and get fit so part of our like training katie and i will be doing this I'm sure ourselves too, because we have to test out our product. Yeah. I'm going to build it into my schedule once a week. I'll do whatever run tour we're, we're talking about there, you know? Yeah. So that's a big group. They have like something like almost 20,000 people in their Facebook group. And so it's just a way for us to test our, you know, we love putting together workouts. We love encouraging people and getting other people excited to train and just be fit. I think this is a, a way to try to like test yourself in a, I guess, less aggressive way. Yeah. 
it won't be something that no, we're going to start with walking and it, it'll include uh you know the strength for runners classes in there as well so it's not just going to be you can't run for like you know the bike tours are usually two hours and these are not going to be two hour runs so you know that's when you hurt yourself yeah it, it won't be anything i mean katie and i know injuries pretty well and we yeah know. between the two of us we probably had them all I know. Now that we had our Q&A episode last week, I feel like a lot of people are coming to us with questions about injuries. And Katie and I also want to preface that we are not doctors, uh, but we have experienced a lot ourselves in our many, many years of running and swimming and biking. And so at least if I don't know the diagnosis, I can probably guess and I can probably guess what a doctor will tell you to do. But of course, you should always go to the medical professionals if you have absolutely yes, don't come to us absolutely. We you advice but we are not giving you medical advice but speaking of medical advice and to uh, uh expert advice we have uh the wonderful jen giles on today who is a re registered dietitian and she runs her own nutrition consulting company she's just amazing and we we brought her on and just picked her brain about all things nutrition yeah no she she's great to talk to about all that kind of stuff and it's such an important aspect in training. And she's just such a wealth of knowledge. Um, and then we have a very, very special guest. I can't believe we've got her. We got to chat with a uh, gold medalist, Gwen Jorgensen. I know. I was like, what? Who are we talking to? You're like, can you, can you be available? And I was like, I actually had a meeting for work. I'm like, yeah, I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> yeah, like we're big fans of hers. She won the gold medal for triathlon. Now she's an elite runner. She's gearing up for the Olympic trials and the 5,000 and the 10,000 in just a few weeks. And Gwen has also partnered with Beam, which is a CBD product. And we've both tried Beam now and it actually works. I gotta say, I've had some great nights sleep because they have a dream product. Uh, they have a product that helps with recovery, um, with helps with focus throughout the day. So we chat with Gwen about her new partnership with Beam and then just a little bit about being a mom and just life in general. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the focus of this episode being, you know, that fourth discipline of racing and training, um, you know, you got swim, bike, run, and then you've also got nutrition and this, what goes into your body um, and as recovery. well. So nutrition, recovery, they kind of go hand in hand. And so Jen talks about nutrition and fuel. And then Gwen will talk about recovery and sleep and just how she manages to get so much sleep. Oh my gosh. I'm jealous of her sleep schedule. You guys will have to hear about yeah. how, how much sleep she gets, but it's, she, you know, she knows it's a restorative component to her training. So yeah, super fun episode. And I think you guys will get a lot of, lot, you'll take away a lot from this and um, excited to bring you these amazing women on the Empower Hour. For our Power Up segment, we brought up our friend, Jen Giles, who aside from being an accomplished triathlete and triathlon coach, she's also a registered dietitian, nutritionist with a slew of titles to her name. There are almost too many to list. Her resume reads as follows. She served on the United States Olympic Committee Sports Dietitian Registry. She is a contributing author to the NCAA and SCAN Collegiate Fact Sheets. She's the author of three ebooks in my Sports RD Athlete Series. She's appeared on TV and radio, and I've interviewed her for my stories in Triathlete Magazine and other publications. Really, the list goes on and on. 
She's also a mom of four, very busy and athletic kids. She's an multiple Ironmans, multiple marathons, and she's just an all around bad ass. That makes me sound much cooler than I am, but thank you. <laughs> um, so we know a lot of listeners are curious about nutrition. So we brought Jen on to have a conversation about the ideal way to fuel when you're leading an active lifestyle. But first, Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into running and triathlon? Yeah, so, wow, I'll go way back. I'll tell you the backstory. I'll try to make it a, a short version of the story. But uh, I started, obviously, youth, youth um, sports, right? Everybody was into youth sports. I kind of did everything, basketball, soccer, softball. And by high school, I really fell in love with softball and swimming. So that's kind of where it all started. Um, but in high school, I was never really a great athlete. I knew I was very athletic and I knew I could be good, but I just, there was something missing. There was a missing link somewhere and I didn't quite know what it was and I didn't figure it out until after high school either. So I didn't play college sports, but somewhere in college after that freshman 15 slash 40, <laughs> I figured I saw people running and I was like, that looks easy. It looks cheap, you know, as a college student. I think I'm just gonna get a pair of sneakers and start running. Now, mind you, I hated running before this. So I swam and played softball. There's minimal running in those sports. So I was, you know, in high school, I was the one who back of the pack runner. I would go to the bathroom when we had to run laps, you know, like I would kind of weasel my way out of running any way I could. So I have no idea what made me buy those shoes, but I did and I ran, I was on vacation with my family in Maine and I ran around the neighborhood and I made it three quarters of a mile. And then I had to walk home and I actually pulled a muscle in my back. So I kind of like limped home, but for whatever reason, I went out the next day and I ran a mile. And then the next day I ran a little bit more and more and more and more. And a couple months later I had lost all that freshman weight and I started running faster. And it occurred to me, maybe I should change the way I'm eating and maybe I would feel better on these runs and be able to run farther and feel better. and whatever. I don't even know why that thought popped in my head. So I started reading all these magazines, runner's magazines, and um, trying to figure out nutrition, every nutrition book I could get, sports nutrition book I could get. And so that kind of lit a fire. And I just really never really stopped running since. That was 30 years ago. So you can do the math and calculate my age, but never stopped running. But somewhere in my late 20s, after a number of marathons, was starting to feel a little bit burnt out, starting to get like a little injuries here and there, knee stuff, ankle stuff. So I went back to my swimming roots and I thought, let me just combine swimming with my running and see if that makes me feel better. And it did. And then um, I was married in my late twenties, I was married. And so we're like, let's go buy bikes and start biking. So we did, <laughs> and then we did our first sprint triathlete triathlon and the rest of it just is history. We kind of just got obsessed and addicted like so many other triathletes do. And um, I skipped a big part of the story, but in my early twenties, because of my obsession with running and nutrition and fitness, I went to graduate school for my nutrition degree and my registered dietitian degree. And then um, because, and I actually in school, studied nutrition for everything. So I worked in a hospital and I did all my rotations and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I really knew I wanted to work with athletes because that was my passion. So I went ahead and got board certified in sports dietetics. And really my whole career has been working with athletes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've spoken to you, like I said, for 
various articles, but I never really asked you about like your journey to become a nutritionist. So that's interesting. Um, just for anybody who's listening, who might be interested in like following this path or, you know, career change or whatever, what does it look like to become a nutritionist? Like how much school is involved and how do you go about getting all of those certifications and everything that you have? Yeah, that's a great question because I think there's so many buzzwords out there right now with nutritionists. So anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. Like you could read a book and say, I'm a nutritionist and start working with clients, but not everyone can call themselves a dietitian because that takes a degree. And actually starting next year, it's going to take a master's degree. Right now, it just takes a bachelor's degree. And then you can go and get your registered dietitian certification, which is, I think it's about what I was... I did this so long ago. It was about 1,200 hours of hospital work and a year of clinical rotations and coursework. Now it's a little bit more. It's, it's changed a tiny bit. So I'm probably getting those facts a little bit wrong. And, um, and that's registered dietitian. Starting next year, you're going to need a master's degree in order to go into the RD program. And so that kind of sets nutritionists apart from dietitians. So dietitians are just, they just have a little bit more knowledge and coursework on all conditions so that they can work with all types of people, no matter what their issues are medically. It's more of a medical background than just a nutrition background. And are you just, um, you know, since you've become a dietitian, you kind of started your own business and you just, do you have people that work with you or it's just you on your own? I don't. I don't. I just actually hired an assistant to help me with all my busy work because that kind of stuff is getting overwhelming. But no, I've been in private practice since 1998. I started my private practice right out of school. Um, and I did, I double dipped for a while. I did work in hospitals and I did some other consulting work, but I've had my private practice forever and I just work one woman show. <laughs> That's great. And so are most of your clients athletes or do they run the gamut from you know everyday people or right now it's all athletes right now it's all athletes when I started I was doing everything just because when you're starting a business you kind of have to say yes to everything so I was doing a lot of weight loss a lot of diabetes heart disease um, stuff that I really felt passionate about and had a good knowledge base about and then um, transitioned into pure athletes right now it's rare that I'll get sometimes I'll see a weight loss client if it's somebody I know or somebody that really needs some help or maybe an athlete that needs some help losing weight because that's all part of it too but pure purely athlete based private practice what is like the most common issue that you deal with in your practice it's probably multifactorial but number one reason people would seek out a diet, a sports dietitian is to improve their performance. So in some way, shape or form, they wanna get faster, better, stronger, healthier. Um, it's more of a feeling. And I think it all comes down to that too, when you're really asking questions to, to new clients, new athletes that come in, they're really all about getting better. So they may wanna lose five pounds to get faster. And they think that's, the, the, they think that's why they're coming to me, but they really just wanna get faster. So that may or not be the reason why they need to do that. Um, a lot of youth athletes come to me, especially team sports like hockey and football and soccer. They want to gain weight because they want to gain power and strength, but they may not know that they want to gain lean muscle mass. So that it's, it's a little bit of everything, but they want to gain weight and lean muscle mass. Why? Because they want to be better, stronger and faster. So that's really the end game for most athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, the people hire um, a triathlon coach to write their, you know, their schedule, their weekly schedules, their training plans. And it's kind of like, you're, 
you're doing the exact same thing with this fourth discipline of nutrition is just as important. So yeah, maybe even more important because it's really yeah. the foundation for everything we're doing. Yeah. So when somebody comes to you, do you have them like tell you what they're, how they're eating, how they're fueling and maybe write a journal down or like, how do you kind of get down to the nitty gritty when you have such diverse clientele? Yeah, I really individualize everything. So just like you said, most of the athletes that walk into my office or now Zoom office, <laughs> I will have beforehand um, keep a food log for, you know, three, anywhere from three to seven days just to see where they're at now, because I don't want to give anybody recommendations if I don't know what they're doing right now, because that doesn't make any sense. So once I, I analyze what they're eating right now, then we can make changes and tweaks along the way and see, I always call it nutritional CSI. Like we get in there and we're see what works and what doesn't work and trial and error figure out because everyone's body is so different. Everybody's metabolism is so different. So different foods and different combinations of foods can um, result in different outcomes. Um, how receptive are those teenagers? Is that hard to work? Are they hard to work with or? You know what's really funny about that question is teenagers are like, I love working with, they're my favorite group of, of clients to work with because they're like little sponges. They are so motivated to be better athletes that they will, most of them, 95% of them will do anything you tell them to do, which is awesome because they get results like that. It's my adult athletes, us, <laughs> that are so stuck in our ways and our habits that they're a little bit harder to change. So that's yeah. very ironic, I think, but very true. Uh -huh. I also found that like, you know, anytime I'm talking to someone who's, you know, I want to lose weight or whatever, I want to perform better. And it's like, you know, even with my husband who, you know, it's like, well, you got to start writing down what you eat. You got to like log it. And so, you know, like, you know, what goes in, like what, what's, you know, going in and coming out. But that's like, I feel like that's the hardest thing people struggle with is like writing everything down that they eat. And so how do you, um, like encourage people to do that. Cause I think just logging your food, it can be a drag for a lot of people and they don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the case sometimes too. And I would never force somebody if they think it's too, too hard or just don't want to do it. In that case, we just talk it through like, okay, what'd you eat yesterday? And we'll just, you know, go through it that way. And it's very hard to remember what you're eating yesterday, unless you're very aware of it. So that just brings the awareness back. And so then they can spend the next couple of days just thinking about what they're eating and what time they're eating and how much they're eating and that kind of thing. And nowadays it's so easy because we have our phones with us all the time, right? Back in the day we didn't. So it was all paper and pen. Now people can just like voice memo into their phone and say, okay, I just ate a cheeseburger, you know, at the burger joint down the street or whatever. And then they can keep it that way. And all the apps, all the apps for tracking. Gazillion apps. And there's so many apps. It's confusing. So Seriously, I'm so simplistic that I'll have them just text me their meal every time they eat, text it to me. And then I can keep track of it because sometimes apps are confusing and you can't download them and you don't know where they are. And there's five different apps. So which one do I use? And so just keep it simple. All we really want to know is what you're eating. Yeah. My husband's been using an app and he's pretty good. He's like, always like off, like, you know, I'll see him eat something and I'm like, what are you doing? He's tracking everything. I don't That's know what good. he's I'll have to ask him, but so then you just take that data that they give you. And then, like you said, I love that term nutrition CSI, just like go in there and like figure out what works for, for individuals. Cause it is so different. Like what works for me is not going to work for Katie or work for you. Um, so is there a lot of like trial and error or like, do you feel like you can, you've been doing this for so long. Do you feel like you have a really good handle and you can kind of turn things around? 
pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've seen so many different types of athletes and so many different issues. So we'll start with the issue. So somebody's, you know, losing energy. I'll just take a runner example. So if I have a runner come to me and they're losing energy after five miles, I kind of know what the issue is. They may not know, but I'll backtrack and say, okay, let's look at what you're eating the day before. Let's look what you're eating the morning of that run. And let's look at what's happening during that run. And we can figure it out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. There's a number of different issues people can have, you know, GI distress during exercise, um, uh, obviously limited energy, getting sleepy after, during the day after workouts, there's low blood sugar responses, there's hydration issues, there's a million different things that can happen. But when you delve in and just ask the right questions, you can pretty much figure it out pretty quickly. And that's why people hire you because you, you've seen a lot, you've seen it all. And like you said, you've worked with people and other, um, you know, not just athletes, but people who have diabetes and other health issues. So it's, you have like a broad, broad scope. How much do you have to pay attention to like all of these, like, you know, I hate to say the word fad diets, but you know, fad diets, like people probably come to you and say, I've been doing this. I've been doing this. Like you have to stay up on all these trends, right? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And they're all the same trends that they've always been, they're just reworded, you know, mm -hmm. like in the nineties, we had low fat and we had Atkins and South beach. Right. And now it's all just keto and paleo and intermittent fasting. They're all the same things. They're just rebranded. So it, that's not too difficult to keep up on them, but you're right. People will try everything because they're so desperate and you just have to really talk to them about quieting that noise and just delving into what their body needs. Yeah. And you, you want to make it like a lifestyle change. It's not like a fad diet that you're going to do for a couple months, lose the weight and then be like, well, I'm back to eating what I was. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's dangerous a lot of times to do those fad diets because it does mess up your metabolism. And then yeah. as you age, your performance suffers because of that. So yeah, there's a lot of education that goes into that and just saying like why this is not the best choice for you as an athlete and why this is not fueling your body properly. And just like you said, Katie, it's not sustainable for a long time. So if something's not sustainable, then it's really not worth doing it in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. So in terms of just like fueling, I know this is such a broad question, but a lot of our listeners are Peloton users and um, some of them are runners and triathletes as well, but let's say we're going to do like a 90 minute state, you know, Peloton ride. What, how would you recommend to fuel that? Like, it's not going to be an all day thing. It's not an Ironman, but we, we will be on the bike for about a, you know, 90 minutes to two hours. Start with like the morning. How early do we need to get up? Uh, how much early do we need to, you know, prior to our workout, do we need to eat? Assuming you're riding in the morning. I was Assuming just going to ask. Okay. So a morning ride. Um, I'm going to back it up a step further because all your glycogen storage is really happening that day before. So in, I know it's just a 90 minute ride. You don't have to fuel up for four days before, like you would for a marathon or an Ironman, but the day before that's when everything's happening. So that's the most important. So that day you want to eat good a good balanced breakfast, lunch, dinner, timing throughout the day so that that glycogen storage is happening efficiently throughout that whole day. So that when you sleep, growth hormone is released and your muscles are absorbing all that glycogen. They're using some of it, but some of most of it's still being stored. So in the morning, you really just need a small balanced meal to get you through that because your storage is already there. 
So you just want to top it off so that when you start riding, you have some free flowing energy in your bloodstream to use, and then you can tap into the storage. And for a 90 minute ride, depending on the individual, you may or may not need a snack during it. You may want to have something there just in case you start feeling a little bit fatigued or feeling a little bit hungry, but you don't necessarily need something during 90 minutes if you're well trained. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you know, you said say that because I mean, you know, I've been doing this stuff since like 2005 and I feel like I'm finally realizing that, you know, been doing like these long, long weekend rides. And I'm finally realizing that like, if I don't eat enough the day before, I really struggle. And I've kind of put that together and like, know that, you know, don't go to bed, like feeling a little bit hungry the day before a ride, because it once, and it's kind of like the saying, they say, once you're hungry, when you're working out, it's too late to eat then. Yep. You're behind the eight ball for sure. Right. Yeah. It's the golden ticket because as athletes, you also have to remember you're always either preparing for a workout or recovering from a workout. So there really is no day that you're not in need of fuel. It's just that fueling quantity and quality and timing looks a little bit different based on the day and based on the workout you're doing. But yeah, that and and every single time an athlete, the light bulb goes off, just like what you're saying, that you have to fuel the day before, you're automatically going to feel better during that workout. Mm-hmm. In terms of, we just mentioned recovery. So I'm guilty of this. Like if, if we have do a hard ride, you know, I'm say I'm on the bike for like two or three hours, I get upstairs and I'm like, I'm starving and I want to eat everything. And like, Hey, I deserve it. Cause I just killed, you know, I just crushed it on my workout. What would you say to that? You still need to have a cut, like you still need to be smart about what we're, you're putting in your body after a workout too. Yeah. Recovery is huge because that is what is good. That's the next part of that workout. So you're done with your workout. You're not done with that workout. That workout is still going on. You still have blood flow flowing to your muscles and that's bringing nutrients. So a little recovery right there is the most efficient time to eat a recovery snack. And yes, I know what you're talking about is when you're doing a long workout and all you're thinking about the whole workout is what am I going to eat afterwards? Cause I'm so hungry, <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm human. So I've been there too. But if we backtrack and just what we're talking about is fuel the day before and the morning of and fuel yourself really well for that workout, you will not be starving after the workout. You'll be hungry and you'll be hungry for that recovery snack or a recovery meal, but you won't feel like you need to eat the whole kitchen. What, um, when do you suggest, you know, like for a 90 ride, you would just, you would just drink water. When do you suggest adding something to your water or like a Gatorade or, and also what your preferred drink mix that you would recommend to your clients for like a 90 minute ride um and it all depends there's a couple different factors too so there's your your sweat rate so someone who's a a light sweater may not need electrolytes during their ride somebody's a really heavy sweater definitely does the other thing is environment so is it really humid and even if you're working out inside humidity is a factor because it does you know, obviously your house gets humid, even with air conditioning, it's still more humid than it would be say during the winter. So, um, and for anybody who lives at elevation, hydration is gonna be an issue there also. So there's a lot of different individual issues, but if you know, let's just take an example. If you know you're a heavy sweater and it's 90 degrees, like it was here yesterday, then you're gonna need to supplement with electrolytes because you're a little dehydrated going into it just from being out and about in the elements. And you're gonna be back in the elements after your workout which is going to increase your dehydration. So to set yourself up for success, I would supplement with electrolytes. The type of electrolytes you use can vary. I'm not a huge fan of sports drinks because I feel like it just never made sense to me that we're kind of preaching not to, to have excess sugar, to watch our sugar intake, but 
when we're trying to perform our best, let's just guzzle sugar. That never made sense to me. And I think that the sports nutrition product world is shifting away from that now anyway, which is great because all of these electrolyte supplements that don't have sugar are out in the market, like noon tablets, Zim tablets, um, Gubru. I mean, every sports company, almost every sports company now has some Camelback. And then there's, so those effervescent tablets that you can put in your water bottle are really one of the best ways I think for cycling because you can put them in your water bottle, you can sip them over time. So there's about 320 milligrams of sodium and I think about 40 or 60 milligrams of potassium in each tablet. So that you can take in a small amount over time and that can really enhance your hydration. Sodium and potassium work like a pump and they actually bring the water that you're drinking into your muscles. And that's what we're talking about when we say hydrated is your muscles are full of water. And that's what we want because that creates more power, more endurance, more strength. Those tablets are great because you can drink a little bit over a long period of time. The other products that are out there are also good, say things like a base salt or um, a salt stick tablet pill, rather salt stick pill, that's 320 milligrams per serving. So you take a pill and that's 320 all at once. You're not sipping it over 90 minutes. So that would be more useful, say for pre-race when you're sodium loading or really need to set yourself up for hydration later on. But during a workout, I, I really recommend the tablet. Yeah, I'm a big noon fan. I've been using that for years. And I yeah. find that, you know, I really like the flavors. It doesn't leave like a bad taste in your mouth. Like some of the stuff that you you have to, it's all trial and error. Some things just aren't going to agree with you. Right. And I know Katie's doesn't like noon. It's up to the individual and, and we have to approach it as though what works for me might not work for you. And you just have to kind of taste yeah. test to see what you 100%. like. Yeah. 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 And the, the new tablets and the Zim tablets, they're a little effervescent. So they have like bubbles in them. Right. So it's almost like drinking seltzer. It's not that bubbly, but it is. So sometimes that can affect your GI system. So you're right. Some people don't tolerate that those as well. And in that case, you can do like a base salt and just add it, add that to your water bottle. It tastes saltier. So it's not like a flavor like the other tablets are, but it will work just as good. I'm especially concerned with hydration when we are riding the Peloton because we, I just sweat so much. You know, anyone who's done a spin class, you know, you're going to just pour sweat, which you don't do when you're riding outside because there's air and movement and you're just not sweating as much. So right. it's incredible to me how much I sweat, uh, just, you know, riding, even if I have fans on and the windows blowing, like you said, the humidity and just the heat from outside. Mm -hmm. So it's really, and it's convenient that you can just have those bottles there. And I, I always have an extra bottle too, just in anticipation that I'm going to drink everything. Right, um, especially on the longer rides. Yeah. Um, sometimes like the instructors will say to have a bottle of sports drink or, you know, what, whatever it is that you choose and a bottle of water. Is that something that you recommend as well? Yeah, I do. Cause you're, I always take two bottles, one plain water, one noon tablets or whatever electrolyte tablet you're using so that you can kind of alternate because you just, you don't need straight up electrolytes all the time. You really need water because those electrolytes are absorbing water into your muscles. So if you alternate, that's going to happen more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Another really interesting thing to know about yourself, because you said you just sweat buckets, is you really, really want to quantify that and decide how much are you really sweating. So the best way to calculate your own sweat rate, and it's so good for Peloton, Peloton users, because you're in your house and can do this really easily, is weigh yourself before your ride, weigh yourself after your ride. And that amount of loss is not fat loss, it's water fluid loss. And that's how much you're losing. 
there's a calculation where you have to account for how much you're drinking too. So that can offset it. And once you know how much you're losing, so say you lose one pound, right? I mean, you could lose up to six pounds really, but say you lose one pound, then you know that you're losing 16 ounces of fluid and that's how you have to replace it. You don't have to replace it all in that hour, but before, during, and after you split it up into thirds and that's how you decide how much you're losing and how much your fluid needs are. And really the goal is to get off the bike and lose zero if you're hydrating properly. Okay. I should do that. I have a ride today. I usually do. I usually do that, but then I have to like, so then say you lost a pound then, but you also drank say, I don't know, two water bottles. Yep. Um, so that would be good, right? I guess. Yes. Cause then you're offsetting or offsetting your losses. You're okay. actually overcompensating for that, which is good. And then you'll feel better the rest of the day. Cause I know everyone's gotten off a, out of a sweaty workout off the bike, sweaty, forgot to hydrate or didn't hydrate properly. And then they just have a headache the rest of the day yeah. or they have to sit down They're lightheaded. Those are the symptoms of dehydration. So if you're hydrating properly and compensating for that, you won't have those symptoms later on during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know whenever I've like done, I had a bad bonk. I'm like a wreck. I'm like useless the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. I know yeah. <laughs> so much out of you. And if we just know these steps to take it beforehand, we can save our days. You know? Right. And yeah. We can't like go lay on the, you know, lay on the couch for the rest. I know. Right. We have to keep going. And the other great thing about it is then you can have a great workout the next day, or if you're having a double workout in the afternoon, you'll feel good for that workout in the afternoon, but it just makes you feel good overall. Cause nobody wants to start a workout hydrated because of the bad job they did hydrating yesterday. All right. Well, we have some questions from our listeners. So I think we'll just jump right into those. Um, yeah. And you might've covered some of this already, but I guess it's, it won't hurt to review. So uh, Bridget Martina said, ask for the best outside long ride snacks because she hates goo packets. Okay, good. I do not like gels either. So um, I'm with you. I like using whole food snacks on the ride. To be honest, it's a little bit more of a pain to prepare and to carry. But one of my favorite things is to just do roasted red potatoes and salt them, make them the night before. I put them in either like tinfoil or baggy, pop them in my bike jersey and it's carbs and salt. So it just, it's tastes good because you're craving salt and it's giving you that, that energy, that carb energy. Another good thing is just dried fruit and nuts. So this is great because our, our GI tract can handle a lot of fiber on the bike because there's no pounding. This, so this would be a different recommendation than for a run, but you can just, it's like trail mix, right? Or you can make a homemade trail mix with oats and dried fruit and nuts. Either way would be great because you're getting all your nutrients. You're getting carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. So it's going to help with your endurance. And um, a lot of nutrients are going to help with that power and strength on the bike too. So those are two good ones I like. And for more convenient ones, I would do like a protein bar, just a really good, uh, well-rounded, healthy ingredient protein bar. There's a lot of junky ones out there, but um, Luna Protein is a good one. Oatmega is a good one as far as ingredients goes. Cliff Bar and Cliff and Cliff Protein Bars and the Nut Butter ones, those are all good, made with really good ingredients. Those are more convenient ones to carry with you on the bike. I got to try the potatoes. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember being at a rest stop at a century ride and they had big potatoes and I'm celiac. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is oh, the best thing ever. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. Um, so our friend Meredith asked, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. 
do you need to eat before like a very early morning workout, say like a 5.30, 6am workout, would you want to eat something or, and so for, I usually don't if it, cause I usually work out really early and mm -hmm. I just do my coffee and water. And I think maybe it goes back to like, if you, you know, properly fueled the day before. Yeah. It, it comes down to a couple things. Yes. If you properly fuel the day before and you're doing super early workouts, cause I know that feeling where you just don't feel like eating anything getting on. Yeah. That's fine. As long as you're, you're, you have the glycogen storage going on. And the other thing is it depends on the length of the workout. You know, if it's a 45 minute workout, hour workout, hour and a half, you probably don't. If it's an hour and a half and you haven't eaten anything before, I probably would eat something during Yeah. just to get that metabolism revving up. Cause your metabolism slows down when you don't eat. So you don't want to offset what you're doing on the, on the bike, which is increasing your metabolism. You want to actually foster that. So eating something will help that. If it's a longer workout, like, so say you're starting at five and you're going to ride for three hours, I would say, take a bite of something, bite of a banana, a spoonful of yogurt, just something to get that process started and then bring something with you. I have the issue that on race morning, especially, I think just because of nerves, it's hard for me to even get things down. Like I literally have to like gag down a banana. I don't know. I think that things that are like yogurt and applesauce are probably the easiest things for me to eat. Cause I don't have to chew. It's like this weird, like mental slash physical thing that happens. So yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's tough to like force yourself to eat, especially when you're getting up like at 5.00 AM for a triathlon and you're just not hungry at that point. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the same boat. I do. I get like a gaggy kind of yeah. because I get so nervous. Cause I'm not like that during normal workouts. I'm fine. Right. Um, liquid nutrition is good for that. So like, if you ever tried, you can, you can, it's really good for that. Cause it's just, it's liquid and it bypasses your stomach. So you, the molecules are really big. They bypass your stomach and they get, they get digested in your small intestine. So they don't sit around and make you nauseous for a while. And they have bars now too. So that's a good option. Um, peanut butter is a good option. So just a spoonful of peanut butter, because that's really neutral. Um, and a hard boiled egg with salt. That's actually another really good option. Again, super neutral. Um, but you're right. Bananas are, bananas are neutral too, but for some reason they're just yeah. doing thing. I don't know, but I totally get that. <laughs> My problem is that, you know, I'll eat and then like I go to the bathroom at least five times. I'm nervous. And I feel like there's nothing like I've de definitely been in that situation where I'm doing a half and, you know, and you, like I go into the race feeling hungry because I've, even though I've eaten, it's just like going right through me. Yeah. How yeah. do you like tell people to deal with that? Yeah. And that's so common. Yeah. So that, especially for a half is that all comes down to fueling yourself up the days before. So yeah. I would yeah. week and just make sure your nutrition is on point from like, yeah, make sure your glycogen storage is awesome. And then even if you have all that GI distress and food's just going right through you, it doesn't matter because you're fully stored anyway. All right. So the next question is from Beth Casey, who's training for Boston, which is awesome. so great. Um, she said, what are your recommendations for post-workout refueling versus refueling after more intense training sessions, like tempo sessions, long runs as part of marathon training? I think no matter what the workout is, you have to refuel and recover because kind of like what I said before is you're always either preparing for a workout or recovering from one. So a marathon training is, is, you know, top of the list for this there's you're running consistently. So even if it's an interval training workout, you have to recover right after because chances are you have a hard, maybe hill workout the next morning or a tempo workout, or even if it's an easy run the next day, you want to go into that easy run feeling fresh and not like dead legs. So 
every single workout during marathon training, I would just rev up that uh, recovery snack or recovery meal right after. Do you have recommendations for like your favorite go-to recovery fuels? I love doing a protein smoothie right afterwards because I feel like my body temperature is up and it helps it helps take my body temp down a little bit. It's refreshing. It's fluid. So it's also hydrating. Throw some protein powder in there with some fruit. You're getting a lot of micronutrients. I throw some spinach leaves in there too. So that's a good one. Um, I don't usually do that during the winter. <laughs> I do that when the weather is warmer. During the winter, I'll do more thing like a chickpea pasta with grilled chicken because that's just really satiating to me. Um, even just a grilled chicken sandwich, I'll do, sometimes I might do an oatmeal with you know, blueberries and almonds. You, the, the name of the game is you wanna have a combination of carbohydrates and proteins and a little bit of fat, the good, good sources of fat, because fat's gonna help that inc inflammation decrease. Carbohydrates is gonna help replenish all the carbs that you burn and protein's gonna help maintain your lean muscle mass so you don't lose muscle during recovery, because that is one of the side effects of not having a recovery snack is you'll start to burn protein. Mm -hmm. So any combination of those three would be awesome. So, and those are some examples that I just gave you. So then our last question uh, from our friend, Nancy, swimmer mama on the leaderboard. Uh, she says that when she tracks, she can never seem to get enough fiber in her diet. So what are some good ideas aside from like apples for fiber? Yeah, that's a good question because fiber is a tough one for all of us to get. And this number is probably going to be a little scary to everybody listening, but as athletes to get the proper amount of micronutrients that we need. So fiber for sure, but also micronutrients, because a lot of times they come together, we need to aim for nine fruits and vegetables a day. Wow. Wow. So I know most people gasp when I say that, because the re recommendation is five for most people, but athletes really need more than that because we're working so hard at breaking down cells every single day. So nine, but it doesn't, it's not as hard as it sounds. So it could be like a banana for breakfast, an apple for lunch, a salad during lunch with maybe four or five veggies in it. So that's pretty simple, right? I mean, anytime we go to one of these salad bowl places, you're putting at least four or five in there and then a veggie or two for dinner. There you go. There's nine. Yeah, this, Cause the servings for fruits and vegetables are pretty small. So saying nine oh. servings is like, you know, you can eat like a big fruit salad and there you go. You probably got like six. Exactly. And I put two big handfuls of spinach in my protein shake almost every day. And that's probably three servings, to be honest, because it's a half a cup is a, a half a cup is a serving. So just load up on those veggies and you'll be guaranteed to get all the fiber that you need to. But the good news is even if you're not a fruit and veggie person, you can get fiber in other foods. So all your grains are super high in fiber, rice, brown rice, quinoa, farro, oatmeal, um, and beans. So beans is another one, which I guess is a vegetable, but beans has a lot of soluble fiber in it. So beans, chickpeas, hummus, um, any kind of bean that you can throw in your salad or in a pasta or have with dinner, that will boost your fiber too. But even if you don't want to count your grams of fiber every day, getting nine fruits and vegetables will, will make you hit your mark. That's, that's so good to know because I definitely do not have nine fruits and vegetables. I mean, I guess I have a lot of salad, so I should start going back to the tracking thing. I should probably start tracking yeah. And you know what? Nobody's perfect and you're not going to hit that every day. I mean, some days I go by and I'm like, I don't even think I had a fruit or a vegetable today. Like, especially if you're just running around like crazy or you're traveling or something. Right. So you're not going to get it every day, but if you strive for it most days, then you'll, you'll be pretty in a pretty good spot. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, this is such great information. You're so inspiring and you just live by example too. So it's always a good reminder, even if we do like are pretty healthy, it's such a good reminder of like, just, you know, what we should do and how we can be better. Yeah. We can always be better. I know. Even I say that every day, we can always do something a little bit better than we're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Our powerhouse this week is none other than Gwen Jorgensen. So many of you know Gwen Jorgensen as the first American woman to win gold at the Olympics in triathlon, which she did in stunning fashion in 2016 in Rio. Soon after she got that gold medal, she became a mom to her son, Stanley, and she switched to marathon running, and now she is on the track. Gwen is preparing to run the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters at the Olympic trials this summer. She runs with the Bowerman Babes in Portland, Oregon, and we brought her on because she just announced a pretty exciting partnership with Beam CBD products. And so we wanted to talk to Gwen about why she is working with Beam, how it the CBD products help her in her training and her everyday life. And then we also talked to her about her son, Stanley. She's just a devoted mom. And if you follow her on, on social media, you'll see she posts more probably about Stanley than anything else in her life. And he's just an adorable little guy. So we had a great chat with her and now we're bringing on Gwen Jorgensen. Hello, Gwen. We're so Hi. excited. Hi. So we're so excited to have you here on the Power Hour. Um, particularly to chat about your new partnership with Beam CBD products. And we just want to hear about how CBD helps you in your day-to-day life. So I guess to start, just how about you tell us about how you discovered Beam and what attracted you to the product? I think CBD has become more normalized. And, but as an athlete, a professional athlete, there's still always that concern over, uh, it, will it be legal as THC, you can test positive in competition. So, you know, beam is the, the first company that I truly believed in that was THC free. They walked me through the entire process of, you know, they batch test everything three times. You can go online and, and see the results of every product that they test and have available. So that's what really gave me confidence in being able to, uh, trust their products. And as well, their products are unique in that, they have additional other benefits in their products. So like with the sleep products, there's melatonin and the revive there's turmeric. So they have all these natural, natural things that I look for in my diet anyway. Since it doesn't contain the THC, you weren't really hesitant to try and start using it as it is completely legal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they walked me through it and, um, yeah, just being able to know that they're batch testing everything um, was something that gave me a lot of confidence. So Gwen, our listeners are athletes of all levels. Some are like just starting a fitness journey and some like Katie and I have been at this for quite a while. So how do you think that CBD can help the like everyday athletes in their recovery and just their wellness in general? I have my favorite like product that I've been using is actually the Revive, which um, helps with muscle recovery, anti or inflammation. And I actually take that one right before I'm getting my period until, and like through menstruating, because I find that's when like, I have a lot of inflammation in my body. And that's when I've noticed I actually pick up more 
um, niggles or like things that are going wrong in my body. And so I will take it during that time. And I've just noticed that it helps with inflammation. It helps me sleep better. Um, and yeah, so that for me is the, the one that I've, that I've really liked the most as well. The fixer, which is a ointment that you put on a cream is something that I like to use for spot treatment as well. So I just got the fixer. I, uh, I have some really bad uh, tendonitis in my elbow. And so I've been putting that on. It's, it's so far, it seems great. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, there's no other side effects in the topical, you know, it can really have spot treatment, which is really cool. Smells good too. <laughs> yes. So you speak a lot about too, about the importance of sleep. Um, what is your, and I know you, you say you like the dream capsules as well. Um, what is your typical day look like with, with sleep and how much sleep are you getting day, like on a daily basis? Yeah. So I, um, I actually pride myself on having really good sleep hygiene, but you know, I nap every day. Um, and I mean, naps aren't always that long. They're normally only about 20 minutes, but I'm laying down for maybe an hour to two hours just to get that rest as a pro athlete and not having a, a second job. Um, it's really important that I, that I recover in the middle of the day between my sessions. And then at nighttime, I go to bed at the exact same time every night, um, put my son down at eight and I'm in bed before eight 30 every night. I have, you know, a blackout blinds. We keep our room 61 to 66 degrees at night. Cause that's kind of the optimal temperature. Um, I don't have my phone in my room. Uh, I may, I make sure like I eliminate all that blue light sort of things. And yeah, I feel like just having that consistency, especially when you're training hard, it's, you need to have everything in place to, to have a good night's sleep. I wish I could do that. That sounds perfect. <laughs> It's so nice right now as I'm always sleep deprived. Um, so you mentioned your son, Stanley, as many people who follow you see his adorable pictures. He's just getting cuter and cuter by the day. It seems like. Um, but you did your, one of your most recent Instagram posts, you touched on something that Katie and I both as moms here appreciated. And I'll just quote you. You said, um, you reflected on your race last week by saying, what would you tell Stanley if he had the race I just had? I'd ask him, did you give your all? What did you do well? And what do you want to improve for next time? And then you went on to say, remember training is training. And although race day is all that counts, it takes time to learn all the tools to perform in every situation. Be kind to yourself. Don't, don't discount the work that's been done. So I like that it was a good reminder that you know we should treat ourselves in the same with the same respect and kindness that we hope our children give to themselves. So can you talk a little bit more about learning to be kind to yourself and recovering from disappointment and maybe how being a mom has played into all of that? Yeah, learning to be kind to myself was actually really hard for me to do. I actually started a journal way back in 2012 or 2013 and it, my coach at the time had told me to write down every day, three things I did well and three things I could improve. And I really struggled writing down three things that I did well every day. And which is silly because we all do at least three things that are well every day. Like you can come up with something. And, but I struggled with that. I struggled seeing the positives. And as I think type A athletes, we always focus on the negatives and it's good to be able to look at the negatives and see how you can improve. But it's so important to also take note of everything you're doing. That's right. I, and I really think I had a mind sh shift when I like learned about the stone cutter quote, which I don't know if you've heard that one, but there's this stone cutter who's like pounding away at a stone 
you know, for 999 times and nothing happens. And on the 1000th, 1000th time, a piece of the stone chips off. And it wasn't that one time that caused it to chip off, but those 999 times before. And that's something that has really, knowing that has really allowed me to take pride in the things I'm doing well, even if the outcome isn't there. If I know I'm doing the correct things, I know eventually the outcome will come. So yeah, I just think, you know, being kind to yourself is something that can really help boost your performance and can help you in those days. And maybe the outcome isn't there yet, but you're still headed in the right direction. And that's something that I guess Stanley's pretty young, but you know, you're thinking about that now as a mom and like, has, has your mentality shifted now that you're a mom and how you're seeing races and performances? For sure. I mean, you just like, once you have a kid, it's, I mean, racing doesn't matter. And I think when I was, when I was young, like high school, I thought I was defined by how I performed. And I think I did a good job once I started my triathlon career of, of not really defining myself so much. Um, and I don't really know how or why that happened, but having a kid makes it super easy to realize that and to realize like what's actually important. And yeah, I mean, you know, you come home and if you have a bad workout or a bad race or you're injured, like my son doesn't care. He just wants to play. And, you know, I think there's, there's more to life than sport and we all know that, but it's good to have that daily reminder when you have a kid. Yeah. yeah, you're, you're always going to be his, you know, superhero, no matter what you do. So that's, <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. right. Katie and I have, have experienced that. I think both of us were like, we come home from a big race and our kids are like, did you win? And we're like, yes, no, but we, we did really well, you know, and they, they just, they're like, okay, fine, moving on. Or they yep. just want to see that all, you know, like, it, it's like, we don't have to be like Katie said, we're, we are like, you know, right now, fortunately, our kids are still pretty young. We're the heroes in their lives. And yeah, if we win or lose, they just want us to be there for them and be happy. You, yeah. But it is interesting. I think when they're young, at least, you know, my son's three and a half, he does know what winning and losing is. And sometimes he'll come to my practice and we'll like switch leads. Cause that's what you do in practice. And if I go to the end of the line, he'll be like, mom, you're losing. Yeah. <laughs> and if I go to the front, so I'm like trying to teach him, I'm like, no, there's also such a thing as called teamwork and you share the lead and this is working together. This is practice. But yeah, I mean, he, he always, he, he knows if I win or lose, but based on watching my race, which is also pretty interesting, but he doesn't care, you know, and he knows we talk a lot about he tries things and he's not successful at the beginning. And I'm always remind him like, that's okay. It's okay to fail. We have to try again. Like, what did we learn? Let's try it again. If you like, if he really wants to accomplish something, he can, it was so cute. We were at the bike park the other day and he wasn't riding his bike, but he was want, trying to run up this really steep, like bike jump that was supposed to be going the other way. And he tried to go and he failed and he must've tried like 10 times. And the last time he tried, he got it, but he, the entire way was running up it saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And I just thought it was so good that he had that will and desire to keep trying. And, you know, I think part of it is like, he sees me fail, but I don't quit. And I think that's a good reminder and lesson for kids. Like it doesn't come easy. And yes, we all want to win in whatever we're doing, but you aren't, the reality is you aren't going to win every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes hard work, you know, like, yeah, my kids are in swimming now. And a lot of times they don't want to go to practice and it's like, well, you know, and I don't, I don't want to push them. You know, there's a fine line between pushing and now I was like, well, you gotta, you gotta practice to do well. You can't just show up at a race and expect to do well. It's hard work. So that's right. Yeah. And the racing is fun, but you gotta, to be successful at anything, you have to do stuff that isn't necessarily what you're wanting to do. Yeah. 
Um, so you have the Olympic uh, trials coming up in the 5,000 and 10,000. Uh, how are you feeling with just about a month to go? Yeah, good. Um, we're starting to sharpen and um, yeah, I, I've actually had a pretty good training block. So I'm excited. I'm, you know, just want to stay injury free and healthy. I think that's the most important thing. So yeah, I'm really excited. And it's only two hours away from, I'm in Portland and the trials are two hours away in, in Eugene. So it's kind of nice to be close to home as well and not really have to fuss with all the travel. So yeah, I'm excited. It'll be good. I heard an interview that you said you might come home in between days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially between there's like four days, I think between the 5k and 10k. So, I mean, it's less than a two hour drive. And for me, um, my parents are going to be in town during that time to help watch Stanley. And I don't want to be away from Stanley and be out of that routine for, for four days. I could just sit in my hotel room with my feet up, but for me, I've realized that's not how I perform my best. I actually perform my best when I'm able to just have some normalcy and, and see Stanley and, and be happy. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. I'm so convenient for you to not be, I mean, two hours isn't a hop, skip and a jump, but it's, at least it's not, it's doable. Yes. Yeah. Well, Gwen, we wish you the best of luck. We're, we're rooting for you and it'll be so exciting. I mean, the trials are going to be on fire. So it's, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm sure you're just like going to perform and like, we know the champion that you are, um, <laughs> appreciate you coming on and talking about beam and CBD and Katie and I are, you know, like I said, we're both trying it out and I can see already some benefits of it. So I'm sure you're reaping those benefits as well, but yeah, thank yes. you for joining us. Of course. It was my pleasure. talk so much about how to better ourselves on the bike or on the run or in the pool, but it's just as important to focus on nutrition and recovery, which is why we felt strongly about bringing Jen Giles on today to chat about just that. And of course, to Gwen Jorgensen, who shared her insight about how CBD is helping her in that regard. So thank you again to Jen for joining us in our power up segment and sharing some of your wealth of knowledge on this very important topic. You can follow Jen on Instagram at Jen Giles Eat Four, as in the number four sports, and join her free Facebook group by searching for the Sports Nutrition Hub, and that's on Facebook. And how amazing it was to chat with Gwen Jorgensen and learn how she uses Beam to improve her performance in everyday life. We wish her the best of luck in the upcoming Olympic trials, and we'll be rooting for her every step of the way. So if you guys have any questions or topics for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. You can DM us on social media. You can find me, Sarah, at Sarah Wassner Flynn and Katie at Katie Palavicino. Until then, we will see you on the leaderboard. Thank you.